be intentional with them in, in pouring into their life and having them see my life and try and give them as much insight as I possibly could. Mm. In time, that developed into a way of me just looking around our church and looking at the guys who are serving, who are um, you know, serving their families well, as well, including serving the church well. Their character seems to um, exemplify the qualifications we find in like First Timothy, mm-hmm. Titus. And then I just kind of collected them all together. And I asked them, hey, we're going to, I'm hoping that you'll join us in this. We call it a leadership collective. Um, hope you join us in this group. We're going to meet once a month. And we're going to, I'm going to try and give you sort of that peek around the curtain um, to see what pastoral ministry looks like. You're listening to the Send Columbus podcast, a conversation for developing strategies and sharing stories as we plant churches everywhere for everyone. Your hosts are Sin City missionary Chad Grigsby and church planting catalyst Jason Phillips. Welcome back to the Sin Columbus podcast. My name is Jason Phillips, the Columbus CPC. I am joined by Chad Grigsby, our Sin City missionary. Welcome, Chad. How's it going, Jason? Just, just dandy, just dandy. Another day, another day, another dollar. <laughs> yeah, uh, super excited for our guest today. We got Jeff Beisel in the house. Yes. Welcome, Jeff. Thanks. Uh, glad to be here. I'm glad that you got my last name right. That's impressive. Do people Beisel? not normally oh, yeah. say it wrong? Well, a lot of people add a Z, but that's all right. Beisel. 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 Oh, Beisel. Yeah. Sometimes I think we overcomplicate things because we, we know English is hard. <laughs> so we're like, mm, it can't be Beisel. That, <laughs> that makes too, too much yeah, sense too for easy English. For that to be the case. What is Beisel? What is your uh, background? German, apparently. Okay. So moving to Ohio, um, my dad's side of the family spent a lot of time trying to find our family heritage yeah. and it kind of the, the research ended at like Ellis Island. I moved to Ohio. Oh, wow. Some guy called me up and he said, Hey, I'm related to you. And I said, fantastic. <laughs> That's your opinion. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> he happened to have this book that had some other bicycle out there in the world would publish it every single year with, if you send in your, um, the, the children that you birthed, and you could tell them who they are and give them the birth dates, he would add them to the book. And next year he would publish another book. And so we have this lineage that goes all the way back to uh, Aberbach, Germany, of where the Beisels came from. How about that? All I had to do was move to Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> and there and there it was. <laughs> and there it was. That's crazy. Well, today we're going to, we want to dive in a little bit into residency, but uh, kind of before we get started on that, I mean, you've lived a pretty crazy life. And uh, when I was trying to find a picture of you on the internet, the first thing I've, I've heard about this before this, but uh, the first thing that pops up is obviously Jeff Beisel, Fear Factor. Mm. So <laughs> I'm sure yeah. you've, you're really sick of talking about Fear Factor maybe. Is that true? No, I mean, it's you're a like, fun story, right? I mean, so no, I'm not tired of talking about it. It's this interesting time in my life. It's, it's fun to, to relive it. I tell everyone I have a different perspective because, um, uh, spoiler, I won. So twice. <laughs> you won twice. I won, I won twice. <laughs> so everyone else had to go home and do all the disgusting things. I mm. did them and I won the and money. You won money. So it's fun for me to talk about the yeah. story. <laughs> I honestly, I watched. So after that, it like showed up as like on Hulu and I'm like, as soon as I got home, I ran home and watched it. Um, and I was very impressed. You were so calm the whole time. But honestly, the thing that was most interesting to me was your blue tongue ring. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tell I, us a little bit about that. Oh, yeah, sure. Well, I mean, <laughs> I mean it was the it was sort uh, of the tongue ring before the tongue ring is what it is, I suppose. But um, yeah, I, I instead of, oh, gosh. <laughs> Instead of getting Jeff is no longer friends with you, Jason. Yeah. So instead of getting uh, a tattoo uh, 
on my lower back, a tribal tattoo on my lower back. I <laughs> thankfully opted for the tongue ring and they, uh, I did not get a lower back tattoo. Thankfully I did not get a tribal lower back tattoo and I no longer have a tongue ring. So, uh, we all mature in stages. So <laughs> I suppose here we are. Well, it was pretty gross because you were eating balut. Is that how you yeah, say that? And yeah. 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 Half developed duck. They Fertilized boiled it up, egg, yeah. open it yeah. up. Honestly, it looked disgusting, but it just tastes like a hard boiled egg. Interesting. So, yeah. I mean, would I eat it today if you put it in front of me? Of course no, probably not. not. If you offered me $50,000, <laughs> then absolutely. Yeah. I'm, awesome. I'm a big Survivor fan. They've mm. they've had that on there. Was a it few 50 times. grand? Yeah. I went and then 50 100 the first, grand, right? And then 100. Yeah. So for a 21 year old kid, it was uh, it was a pretty good start. It was pretty awesome. How much did you walk away with? Well, I lived in Florida at the time. Yeah. So I live in Orlando and they don't have a particular tax, like a state tax. So I got to keep an extra good few thousand oh. dollars. My word. Yeah. So it was pretty That's great. amazing. Yeah, it set us up. We used it to move to California, move to Wisconsin. It's how I bought my engagement ring for my wife. Wow. And uh, set us up for a house. So, yeah. we That's used incredible. It, we used it well. I mean, I definitely used it to, you know, uh, buy a Harley and, and <laughs> pay off my truck and, yeah. you know, had some good times with some friends. But, yeah. Yeah. So use it for fun and for responsibility. Yeah. That's cool, man. What was your favorite challenge when you were on there? The favorite? Well, um, so... Here's something that maybe people don't know. I'm I'm not really afraid of much, um, so I was looking forward to everything that the show offered, uh, <laughs> and I honestly would probably do most of it if, without this enticement of of winning a challenge <laughs> or money. Um, but uh, the last one of the the tournament of champions after they had all the winners come back together, that one was awesome. That one was uh, the most fun challenge because you had to. There's like a, a semi truck. It was basically like a, a gas truck or a milk truck, you know, big cylinder, uh, 16 wheeler, or is it 18 wheels or 16 wheels? Anybody know? I don't know. It's a semi truck. We'll go with that. <laughs> um, they filled it a third with the water. You had to climb in the back, swim to the front, grab a key from the bottom of the tank, swim to the back, climb to the top, cross the top, put the key in and then honk the horn. Mm. And whoever did that the fastest won the whole show. Mm. So yeah. You were good at both the water things because your first challenge, you I think you won that one too. I did win that one, yeah. And I was a little worried at the end of that last challenge, though. That one girl, she almost, she was so close to me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So now, yeah, you're really revealing who I am <laughs> with a tongue ring and, and where my arrogance lies because uh, the first guy who went did like two minutes, 30 seconds. Yeah, he's the next girl that went did just over that. And then I got to go. And I did it in 59 seconds or, oh or something gosh. like that. Yeah. And the, the the last girl who went, she did it in like two minutes and 30 seconds. But they we had to sign a contract that they were allowed to edit it however they want. Really? They just couldn't change the outcome. So in my pride, we're at this party at this Mexican restaurant back home in Wisconsin. And I'm, you know, feeling all proud and how I just annihilated everybody. But they edited it to make it look like I almost lost. So then I what? felt obligated to tell all my buddies who were making fun of me that I almost lost. Like, no, 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 I destroyed everybody. She was a tough, tough girl. She was really nice too, but she was tough. She's a great competitor. I mean, she won her challenges in the, yeah. in the mm -hmm. previous episode. So had a chance, just not. Now, how did you get connected it. to even do something like this? So there was a friend of mine. Her name is Carrie Fisher in Orlando, again, where I lived. And we worked together. And she said, hey, Jeff, there's this new show called Fear Factor. You should audition. And I said, okay. I'd never seen the show before. So how does I, one audition for Fear Factor? Well, they have, <laughs> you can send in a video. 
like you make a video at home on VHS cassette <laughs> right back in the day. Um, so you'd make a video uh, and you'd mail it in and then they would watch I love many I love everything about this conversation, <laughs> but I don't know that we'll get to anything church playing. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> Recording on VHS and then mailing it in. And mailed it in. <laughs> it all makes the way me in. so happy. Yeah. So then they called me like two weeks later and they said, hey, we're going to do a casting call, kind of like what American Idol does. Like you go to a mall or something like that, and there's thousands of people, and they try to weed through them all. They said, we don't want you to spend your time doing that, but we want to meet you. So I met with uh, the casting directors um, at an office, and they asked me a bunch of questions about what kind of makes you disgusted or are you scared of anything. And, again, I kept saying, no, 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 I'm fine, I'm good, I'll do that. And they ended up, like, offering me to come on the show two weeks later. Um, The interesting thing, though, I almost missed the show. So they sent the contract. Is it in Florida? Or no, it's in it? California. So you did. Oh, okay. So I'm in Orlando. They flew me out to California. Wow. But in the contract, the whole time they were talking November 3rd, November 3rd, November. So I'm like, yeah, of course. So I get the time off of work and I got it all figured out. Well, then they send me the contracts and I missed it. I signed the contract, send it back. It's October 2nd. Oh, I get a phone no. call. Hey, Jeff, are you excited? I'm like, yeah, I'm excited. They're like, you ready? I'm like, yeah, I'm ready. He's like, no, no, no. Are you set? I'm like, yeah, I'm set. He's like, are you sure, Jeff? I go, why do you keep asking me this question? He's like, Jeff, you have to be in LA tomorrow. I was like, no, 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 November 3rd. He goes, check your contract, October 3rd. I was like, hold on, <laughs> get the paperwork out. Um, I got to go. I'll be right back. So I had to race to work, oh figure it gosh. all out, get out of my you know responsibilities and wow. leave. So I almost missed it. But I made it, obviously. So that's crazy. Well, fun. I have more questions, but we'll wait until yeah. we're yeah. not on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's switch gears. Why don't you tell us a little about about like your church planting journey and how you kind of arrived? Sure. Here. So um, my wife and I met in Orlando, Florida. Um, we were both working for Disney World. She was Ariel. I was Prince Eric in one of the shows. Um, that's another. Story for like, another this day. feels like a movie plot. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> well, so a story for another day. We moved to California, moved to Wisconsin, where I'm from, outside of Madison, and then we moved to Pickerington, Ohio, where we currently live and where we planted the church. Um, we moved there in 2004, and then I began working in youth ministry in 2005. Mm. In that time, felt this burden for our city and mm. kind of realized that I thought the Lord was calling me to plant a church in Pickerington. I didn't have any experience, didn't even have any education around that. So uh, I found another local church that was just begin planting, and we went there. They were about eight months to a year old. Went to them, uh, Veritas, here in Columbus, and uh, I said to the planting pastor, Nick, I said, listen, I don't know. I think I'm called to plant a church. I don't know how to do that. I don't know when I'm going to do that. Can I just come and learn? And, of course, he said yes. I mean, if there's a planter out there, and they're like, mm-hmm. who doesn't want that guy to come in? So, yeah. Uh, so they welcomed me in, and I just tried to soak up as much as I could for the next nine years, uh, serving in a bunch of different roles and wow. helping multiply community groups and serve on the assimilation team and preach on occasion and do as much as I possibly could. And then in time, in 2015, we left Veritas to build a core team. We slowly did that. We really took actually like six to eight months to pray through does our city need another church? Should Mm. we just take this group of people who are all burdened for the same area and just go serve at another local body and maybe learn more or just be a blessing to that congregation? Obviously, in the end of that, we were led to plant the church. So in like the summer of 16, we began developing a core team, 
and then officially launched the church in September of 2017. Mm. So we're, what is that, almost four years old? So that's the the short version um, of Maranatha. That's how Maranatha ended up being planted in Pickerington. It's incredible. Um, One of the things that we feel like you have done a really great job of, you've done a lot of great things in, in the four years you've been planting, but is this in the area of discovering leaders. And we've talked at length, you know, uh, uh, in this process, you're helping us kind of think through discovering, developing leaders in the city. Um, but w- in that conversation of how do we do this as a city, you kind of told us what you did in your church. So tell us a little bit about that process, how you went about that. Um, it feels a little more organic to you, I think, but from where we sit, it was real intentional and, and, and really, uh, incredible. So talk about a little bit what your process is and was for discovering leaders. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. Um, so coming and, and really, you know, offering myself up to Veritas and just saying like, can you just, you know, train me? I just want to learn and soak it all up. Uh, I learned a lot about the church and the process and just being involved and, seeing it with my own eyes and poking my nose into as many kind of uh, rooms as I could. Now that Maranatha is going, that has sort of been the one of the, the passions of mine is to equip other men and women for ministry and to, to raise people up to do the ministry that Christ calls all of us to. Mm. So in that way, um, from nearly the beginning, I've been trying to uh, be intentional with uh, guys and girls, but let's you know specifically talk about guys with residency going into like church planting. Um, be intentional with them in in pouring into their life and having them see my life and try and give them as much insight as I possibly could. Mm. In time, that developed is into a way of me just looking around our church and looking at the guys who are serving, who are um, you know s- serving their families well, as well, including serving the church well. Their character seems to. Um, exemplify the qualifications we find in like first Timothy Mm -hmm. Titus. And then I just kind of collected them all together and I asked him, Hey, we're going to, I'm hoping that you'll join us in this. And we call it a leadership collective. Um, hope you join us in this group, but we're going to meet once a month and we're going to, I'm going to try and give you sort of that peek around the curtain, um, to see what pastoral ministry looks like. So we'll go through, um, some books, we'll go through some case studies. We'll have open discussions and honesty, um, as well, we uh, created a thing called the Preaching Guild, which uh, once a month as well, invite uh, guys to come and preach like 15-minute sermons, um, and then we critique them and, you know, try and be encouraging but also formative. Mm-hmm. You know, you can be really strong theologically and, and really knock that out of the park, but you can be dry as a bone and, and really mm-hmm. un, you know, un... So we want to deal with both the, both the presentation as well as the content in, in that environment. So... Um, that we really then spent two years doing, we spent a year doing that leadership collective. Um, and then after that first year that led into us, we desired to have multiple elders of the church, like a plurality. And that led us into, um, taking six of the guys from that group and taking them into further assessment into more of like the, the direction of elder. And then from that four or three guys rather, um, ended up, being installed as elders in October of last year. So yeah, intentional, but also highly relational. Mm. And I think that's funny enough, what I learned from Veritas and what I've spoken to as many churches as possible and asked them like, how do you raise up leaders? What kind of residency do you do? There's a lot that goes on inside 
someone's head, but it hardly often is written down anywhere because it is such an intangible reality where, um, you know, just even the three of us, we've all been brought up differently into mm-hmm. the ministry that the Lord has called us into. And there's no way to say, oh, you need this list of things, just like you need this same list of things. Well, they might be the same qualifications or the same expectations of what ministry could be, but, you know, uh, Chad, you might have one, two, and three already handled, so we're going to jump right to four, five, six. Or Jason, you might have, you know, two, three, and six, and we just need to do one, four, seven, or whatever numbers I was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is that It does. Clear oh, it enough, sense. maybe? Yeah. 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 Really makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. So when you... Can you uh, elaborate on this? When you created this sort of pastoral collective, was the intention to have church planters or was it to create elders or a mixture of both? Like what was the end goal for your residency? Yeah, so moving into the the end goal and what I sort of articulated to the men there was I want to develop you in the qualifications that we see in 1 Timothy 3. And I was clear that... (laughs) Some of you might then, in the end of all this, be called to be pastors. Um, and what that could then be is you're, you're, you're you know, sent out in a way to tr- plant a church or serve in a uh, revitalization somewhere. It might be you're sent even into Maranatha to, to shepherd and lead this congregation. But others, others of you might realize that you're not called or you don't possess that same burden to shepherd pastorally but I still, this is still beneficial to you because yeah. you're developing, and we want all the men of our church to be qualified. It just doesn't mean that everyone must be called, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. So I was very clear, like, for some of you guys, this is going to turn out to be a pastoral residency. For others, this is just going to be development and maturing you, sort of a mentoring process to serve your family well, to continue to be community group leaders at our church, to serve our body and the people of your workplace better as a way to you know, disciple or mentor them in Christ as well. So it was to bring to hopefully create quality men for the church. Yes. Realizing that in that way, the Holy Spirit would prayerfully draw out men who would be burdened to lead the church. I really love that you cast, you casted a wide net mm-hmm. and you said, Hey, we're starting this thing. You think you might want to come in, be a part of this. Great. Knowing that not 100% of those people would, mm. you know, but I love that you cast that wide net because mm. I think sometimes we we might look at somebody and make a judgment about what we think God's doing in their life. And I mean, of course, we need to assess where they are, right? But I think maybe we assume too often, ah, this person probably not this, that, and the other. But if you invite them in and invite whoever else in and let God do the work from there, I just love that you did that. Mm. I, I think our, more of our churches could lead with that kind of broad net and let God call out who he calls out. Mm, yeah. And so I really love that. Yeah. And I think L1, honestly, kind of what we're doing here at LifePoint is kind of doing that in a sense where it's, it's a way for people to come and see maybe is there something more that God's calling me to? And if so, I can proceed with uh-huh. more residency or if not, I learned a lot and I'm growing as a Christian. So um, from that residency, what kind of fruit have you seen both in the people who kind of went through the residency and also in the life of your church at Maranatha? Yeah, um, I'll start with what could sound negative, but part of the fruit of the residency has helped some of the men understand that they're not called, mm-hmm. which has been a great thing. And, and every time that that happened, 
they were apologetic. They were, they were, they were like, I'm so sorry. This isn't, you know, I'm, I, I've got to stop this or I don't think I'm called to this. I'm really sorry. And they would apologize <laughs> to me. And I had to reassure them, this is the process. Yeah. It, the, this did work for you. Mm. Um, you obviously, grew, you know, you grew and matured in some particular way. Um, you served the body well. You're continuing. You're not like, you know, ending your membership or, or no longer a Christian. You were just recognizing like, this isn't for you. And, there was a, uh, a difficulty there because it was they, they felt like they were failing me because of what we were doing. But I, again, up to try and reassure them that, no, this is the process, and mm-hmm. this is a good thing of what has happened, mm-hmm. and we've uh, accomplished what we set out to do. In what sounds like a more positive way is it, it led us to have uh, a plurality of elders at Maranatha, which we've been seeking for from the beginning. Uh, I wasn't quick to just affirm other men because I felt like I wanted other men. Uh, I needed other men but I wanted to have the right men. So we did that slowly and tried to be patient in that way. And again, glad that I did that because some of the guys who I would think were called and were capable uh, realized that they might be qualified, but again, just not called. And we drew that out of their heart. So some of the fruit of is we got a plurality of elders. Some of it is uh, there's a, a guy in our church who was one of the elders that we, uh, we installed last October, who desires to plant a church. So that helped him really understand that that calling differently in the way that uh, just not pastorally at Maranatha, but I'm okay to go and be sent. And I have a particular maybe skill set that we're developing still. And then um, we also developed a, um, a couple guys who are seeking after the pastoral ministry beyond that. So there's a guy, Justin, who is in a um, pastoral residency at the church and he comes every Wednesday to to hang out and read books and discuss stuff and he asks questions and try to bring him into the rooms that I'm in kind of what Veritas did for me in a lot of ways of just come and be with me um so we saw the fruit in his life as well and this affirmation of yes this is the direction I think the Lord is taking me in my life and then also the other men that maybe seem like they're like the leftovers which they are absolutely not they're community group leaders they're continuing to serve their family well and disciple their their, their children that they're having they're also serving in the church in, in a myriad of different ways um, whether that be in the kids ministry or in our um, morning like connect teams and stuff like that they are all every one of them are leaders in the church in different yeah what I love about that is it's really discipleship mm-hmm. I guess. Right, you're just discipling them, and that's always a win. You mm. know, they were apologizing. Sorry, I didn't get to. It's like, no, you were discipled. You were developed. You took a step or more in your faith and walk with Jesus. That's yeah. a win. And they were obedient. Yeah, to what God yeah. was asking them to do. Yeah. I feel like sometimes we think, oh, elder, I got to do that because that's the right thing to do. And I, mm-hmm. what I love about what you did is that you shepherded them to be like, no, you're, you have the qualifications, but the obedience to, to God is not doing this because mm. that's not where he's asking you to be. Yeah. So yeah, you that. just can't lose in making disciples. No. You can't lose in developing leaders. Uh, th- that's a win for them. It's a win for the church. It's mm. yeah. And, and, and in the same way, seeing like you might be called to the office of elder, yeah. but they were called to the vocation that they were already in and yeah. they can be a better servant there mm-hmm. unto the Lord. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, so I think we talk about kind of three, different factors with multiplying, discover, develop, deploy. We're talking really about discovering today. Mm. If there's a church that wants to kind of learn how to discover people well, Mm -hmm. some advice you might give for taking that first step. Yeah, I think this is the, 
the most difficult thing to potentially look at someone's life and try to discover for them what they're called to do. Um, in this process, the thing I continually spoke honestly and openly to these men was I, I, I'm having a hard time developing the burden for you for ministry. Like I, and I kind of you know, came to the you know, realization, I can't do that for you. Mm-hmm. I can teach you theology. I can teach you practical shepherding. I can teach you how to you know, uh, preach a sermon to sound a certain way. Um, but what I can't do is I can't develop that burden in you, and I honestly can't change your character. Mm. So in the residency that we did, and what I would encourage others to do is it's important to have theology and doctrine and, and practice and all that kind of stuff. And you should press into that because it's one of the, I think one of the most important parts of church planting, as well as just being in the, in the pastorate is understanding the church in the biblical sense, like understanding how it should operate, why it operates for the purpose of its um, glorifying God. But the thing that you, you can do all those things and those guys can get that from a lot of different sources and resources. So, relationally what I really focused in on was developing their character mm. and, and yeah. obviously I can't change their character, but pressing in and asking the questions and giving them uh, a, a challenging book and saying, okay, mm. now let's talk about that mm. and helping them process through these issues, which in the pastoral ministry, when you're in the pastorate, those, those are the things you have to do. Um, you know, this last year has shown us that maybe not everyone was as, as well equipped as maybe we had hoped we would be. So we had to kind of scramble and study and learn and, and, and develop this understanding from a, uh, a way, how do we serve our church in this capacity? So um, it's a normal thing to, to feel ill-equipped. It's a normal mm. thing to, to recognize that you're not the, the, the ultimate shepherd of the church, but we do have this responsibility to, to, to develop and learn and go and, and press in and serve to tie it back to your question of advice, do that for the guys that you want to raise up. Mm-hmm. Give your life to them, sacrifice to them. Um, when it begins to feel like they're just friends and they're no longer like your, um, I don't know, yeah, I don't want to say, I was say minion, but that'd be wrong. <laughs> the wrong thing to say. Disciple, yeah, yeah, that's the proper thing. Um, but minion is good too. Well, yeah. when, you, when you begin to see them as less as a mentor mentee, yeah, and um, you begin to see them as a friend, that's right. when I think you're really spending the, cool. the, the proper amount of time with them. Mm. Um, Justin, the guy who's in uh, the pastoral residency every Wednesday at, at Maranatha, he and his wife are at our house all the time. They mm-hmm. hang out with our kids. They they watch our children. They we spend nights night after night after night at our house, just living life together. And we're close friends where we actually vacation together. Someday he's going to be in vocational ministry and someday he's going to be doing what I'm doing and we won't get to spend that time together. Mm. But this is what this looks like. This looks like giving my life, sacrificing the time and the energy to raise him up and give him as best of a look as I can into this world that he can't experience until he actually gets into it. Mm-hmm. And the reality is, and, I, and this is kind of taking from something else I heard from uh, Brian Croft, but like we're just ordinary men doing this great task of shepherding and serving the church, but we serve an extraordinary God who cares for us and sustains us. And that's just the reality of it. Ordinary men doing this, this, this great work. Um, so it's not as mystical or as, magical as it sounds sometimes when you're trying to explain it, but it's sometimes it is intangible 
I think residencies are intangible because everybody is unique and different. And the only way that you can really develop somebody, I think, fully or as properly as possible is to just give your life to them and mm-hmm. allow them to come in and be with you and you to be with them. Yeah, that's, I mean, gosh, that's very, very good. It's, that's what Jesus did, wasn't it? Mm. With his disciples, come follow me, like be with me, learn from me. Um, and it's only after they were with him that he would send them out. Mm. You know, And so I love that relational approach to uh, discipleship and leadership development. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, man, that is a, oh gosh, just a, uh, a reality that just aches my heart. Mm. Like I think of Justin, and, and we did this with other people, another couple in our church who are now great leaders and, and very influential in our in our church body from the beginning. But it aches Jen and I, my wife, to think about Justin and Jenna not coming every other night over to our house. Yeah. We talk about it. It aches. We talk about it because that is the future. Mm. You know, we're saying we're doing this, and I want you to realize, like we're we are going to walk with you for these years for this purpose for you to go and do this. And they know this. They just recently bought a house. So now they're in, you know, they're hosting and they're having people over and it, that's that sort of like slow change is, is already begun. And uh, it's, it, it aches. It's hard. It's hard to let people that you love so deeply go. Mm-hmm. It's good for the mission. It's really good. Well, Jeff, thanks so much for joining us and for all of that. That's a great word. We're super grateful to have you on. I'm yeah. looking forward to already to having him back on. What do you think, Chad? Yeah. Yep. Yep. There's <laughs> there's a lot uh, a lot that we could process with you yeah. that uh, about your story and uh, what God's done through you as a planter and pastor. So yeah, let's do it again. I think so. All right. Deal. Sounds good. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks for checking out today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And remember, every church is a multiplying church in the making.